Ang Yong, welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I'm your host, Darren, and today I am joined by two guests. First of all, Corin McLean. Hello, Corin. Hello. And Andrew Schwartz. Hello, Andrew. Hello. You both resisted the urge to say Ang Yong. Um, Ang Yong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today we're going to be covering episode 7, My Mother the Car. The episode was directed by Jay Chandrasekhar, who people might recognize as being uh, one of the members of the Broken Lizard comedy troupe. Uh, he's directed a f- He directs four episodes of this first season of Arrested Development. He also directed some episodes of Community and Chuck and Happy Endings. Um, and he got his start as an assistant to Kevin Smith in the early 2000s. He was straight out of college, and apparently Kevin Smith read one of his scripts and was like, you know, you should uh, go into directing and stuff. So The episode is written by Jay Martin, who is just a staff writer. I can't really find anything much out about him. He's one of the lesser-known writers on the first season staff. The title of the episode comes from a sitcom that ran in the 60s for one season and was voted the second worst programme of all time by TV Guide. (laughs) In the mid-2000s, so it is pretty terrible, and if you're a fan of The Simpsons, you may kind of recognise the premise a little bit of that sitcom from the Lovematic Grandpa, because the premise of My Mother the Car is a guy's mother dies, goes to heaven, and comes back reincarnated as a used car. (laughs) Uh, The theme song very briefly plays when Michael walks in and sees everybody on the couch, you just hear it in the background for like 10 seconds. Um, and then he turns the TV off, which gets everyone's attention. What channel are they watching that that would be on? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to get something like TV Land or something. Like something that's just showing repeats of 60 sitcoms. It would have to be TV Land. That's the only thing that it could possibly show. Like It was like literally just one season. So I don't know that any It was not any, a popular network, show. No. No, Syndication was not. <laughs> was not really something they were very like apt to expect for this this show. And the episode on the DVD it appears as the seventh episode, but it was actually broadcast on the twenty first of December two thousand three. It was the final episode of two thousand three uh, broadcast of Arrested Development. The weird thing being, the episode that was broadcast before it was actually the Christmas episode. It's unusual that this is kind of out of order. It kind of makes sense a little bit because we get. Some of some more of um, Lucille, Ostero, and Buster, and then kind of the the next episode, which is in God We Trust, is about their relationship going public. It's weird if you watch them in the other order; they go public and then they go and start hiding again. And Buster starts throwing himself through windows. I'm going to read the summary that is in the DVD, uh, which goes as followed. If Lindsay is disappointed that none of the inmates yell out at obscene catcalls when she visits her father, Lucille is outraged when none of her children show up at her surprise birthday party. It's a tough math problem. <laughs> it's, it's weird that they pick the, the runner for um, Lindsay going to prison. And this is the first time that Lindsay has visited the prison. Now, the main plot, obviously, is uh, Lucille trying to throw herself a party. And Michael sums this up by saying, I enjoy Bicentennial as much as the next guy, Mom, but we're not doing that. <laughs> is one of his more cutting, like, remarks at his mother. He Michael is very rarely kind of cruel to Lucille. Like, they have a, kind of a bit more of a kind of playful relationship. But in this particular case, like, that Bicentennial line, that is that sounds like a line Lucille would pull on somebody else. Like, that is, that is quite a sharp line for Michael to be taking. She tries to make Michael throw a party and pretends, you know, that 
then obviously she coerces Lindsay to say, let's throw a surprise party. And, and Michael finds out that everyone's already been invited to this surprise party. Um, so, you know, we we kind of have that as being the main plot, which then turns into um, a car accident with uh, Michael and Lucille, which is one of the few times in this show where we break the third uh, wall and we see the cameras go off as the car crashes. Mm-hmm. And that's like mm-hmm. it's, it, the kind of conceit of this being a documentary is very rarely called out. And that's one of the few times. The main part of the kind of second act is... Michael, with his head bandaged up, um, being given children's aspirin by Dr. Miller. Children's aspirin. <laughs> yeah, children's aspirin. Now, kind of the, the, the B-plots, because uh, I would think they, they kind of get equal airtime, is Job, once again, trying to find somewhere to live. Uh, I don't know where Marta is in this equation, but he's living on a yacht now. He's maybe going to South America? Um <laughs> Like, that seems to be his plan. I don't know why, but... Yeah, it's never elaborated why he wants to go to South America. I'm going to go to South America. (laughs) Just, like, the idea of South America. Why not? And then, also, we have Lindsay, who goes to visit her father at the prison in increasingly... uh, I don't know. I want to say sluttier outfits, because... I mean, I think it it is actually fair to call them sluttier outfits, because the last one actually does have the word slut emblazoned emblazoned (laughs) across her chest. Like, normally I I would be like, we're not going to... like, Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with wanting to attract attention with how you dress. Like, if that's how... If that's how a person wants to dress, I'm all for it. Like, you do you, Lindsay. But, yeah, you, I think you get to call her slutty if she puts the word slut across her chest. And the other kind of... The running gag throughout this is um, people being caught in the cinema watching films they shouldn't be watching because of their age. <laughs> Which sounds like a very odd premise for a running joke, but they make it work with um, George Michael, uh, once again, his lust for his cousin. Uh, this time his writ large in the trailer for Le Cousin Dangereuse. It was a love between two cousins that the world thought was wrong, but it was the world that was wrong. Tiens, tu veux jouer? We have got to see this movie. <laughs> a French film. A French, yeah, a French film. He likes, and uh, George Michael likes the way they think, so. <laughs> I had forgotten so many of the little subplots interested development. It's been years since... I don't know how you can forget George Michael wanting to f*** his cousin, because that is literally <laughs> one of the main plots that they set up in the first episode, and they don't pay off until, you know, the the end of the third season. It's like literally the only drive... It, when, when there's no other plots, the only plot that keeps going is George Michael desperately wanting to get with Maybe in any way possible that he can. <laughs> I'm really bad. Like I, I think the last time I I really like regularly watched this was literally in 2007. Well, ridiculously let, long ago. Let me ask both of you: Did you watch the show when it was on the air? No. Um, first, I, I would Hell say, oh, well, yeah. I was going to ask you first anyway. <laughs> so, Karen, when did you come to it? Then did you watch it later on DVD or I watched or this catch in like Netflix, the or? weirdest situation. So I watched this on DVD or torrented files or something that someone had, like, all in, like, the span of two or three days while on my honeymoon, we were visiting a field site in Africa, and it rained for a few days, and we were like, well, we can't go, like, we were going to go 
hiking and seeing all kinds of primates and instead it was pouring rain and so we stayed inside for three days and watched all of Arrested Development that was available at the time. <laughs> so would you say that you saw the rains down in Africa? Um, I have definitely seen the rains down in Africa. <laughs> um, so, well, I mean, that sounds, un that sounds unusual to just basically watch all 53 episodes in three days. Yeah, I mean, whatever was available in 2007, I don't, I, I, we watched all at once. I think so all I of know. it. And Andrew, you watched... You watched this as it was the lead out to season five of Malcolm in the Middle. Then. I don't even remember Malcolm. I was watching this for specifically for Arrested Development. I got in, I think, around the Christmas episode. No, I watched the pilot first, kind of didn't start watching it. Then I kept watching as it kept going on. And I started buying the DVDs. I missed most of season two when it was airing because I couldn't even remember when it was on. Was it... Uh... <laughs> After The Simpsons? Uh, yes. Yeah, they moved it forward to 8.30 and then it was after The Simpsons. I before, specifically remember um, the weird ads they had for it that were not selling anyone on the show. What, in The Simpsons or? Oh, no. For Arrested Development, they had like specific ads where they're like going like, oh, we're airing after The Simpsons and Michael would draw a picture of a Homer for some reason. Um, so let's get into the, uh, the episode properly then. You know, let's, uh, let's talk about the, the various plots. Let's talk about where we start, which is we jump straight in to... Um, the the kind of the plot between Lucille and Michael, where um, you know the narrator tells us Michael uh, was fed up with his mother's extravagant spending, and we get one of these exchanges which sort of happened in the um, in the second episode where Lucille hangs up the phone after talking to George Senior, saying you know why don't you marry an ice cream sandwich, and so you know <laughs> Michael says. Remember we had that conversation about trying to cut back on things that aren't necessities? Seal says. Like it was yesterday. And he goes, it was this morning. <laughs> I love the kind of, the kind of quick, the Michael is, is kind of mad at something and he's, he's not holding any kind of, he's not letting Lucille get away with anything. Um, particularly in this case, crewing the yacht. Um, having, having given up their jet and being left with just the stair car as their only kind of mode of transport, you would think the Bluffs would not have a yacht. But they still have a yacht for some reason. And that is where um, Job is currently living, as we'll find out later on in the episode. But we also get a little bit of um, the kind of running joke with Buster and Lucille too, which comes about when <laughs> Lucille says that her neighbour, Lucille Ostero, is constantly throwing parties for herself. Uh, she's having another one in a week, and Buster announces <laughs> rather quickly... I'm not going to that. <laughs> and we get a little kind of montage of the kind of story between Buster and Lucille too. Buster had been avoiding Lucille Ostero since he accidentally flirted with her while not wearing his glasses. And then accidentally bid on her at a charity bachelorette auction. $10,000! And then accidentally entered her apartment, thinking it was his mother's. I need you right now! <laughs> Fellas, take a powder. But it's just funny that she's got an apartment full of men and in walks Buster and she's throwing them all out. <laughs> for, the, for this boy who we find out later on, she changed who, when he was a baby. So. Oh, God! I forgot! That's such a, one of the creepiest lines. But yeah, so we also get a little bit of um, Lucille kind of <laughs> haranguing Buster. Like, he goes near, like, the oven and she's like... Away from the stove, you're going to light your hair on fire! And he's kind of all, kind of like... <laughs> he puts his hand next to his head like when he walks away <laughs> yeah and uh i think it's funny because like um i don't think lucille realizes this but she is kind of driving buster towards lucille too with her kind of like extremely close mothering now i don't have any children 
Uh, but I understand, Corin, you do have a child. I do. Um, are you const- are you constantly telling them that they're going to set their hair on fire? Or no? Um, it, turns, <laughs> uh, it turns out my son is actually well aware of the things that can set him on fire without my ever having. Actually, I do. I do actually have a scar on my arm from where my son was running too close to the iron, and I rushed around the ironing board to stop him from running too close to the iron, and burned myself very badly. Um, but, uh, other than that, I, I, he's actually pr- like pretty well behaved and doesn't need to be, uh, I, I don't have my hand up my eight year old's butt as much as Lucille has her hand up, uh, her son's butt. So do you think Lucille would st- stop Michael from getting too close to the oven when he was eight years old? No, I think Lucille probably yeah. would have assumed that Michael would have any kind of sense at all. Like, <laughs> like I can kind of. I can kind of see why she doesn't really trust Buster to have any sense at all. <laughs> well, funny enough, we get a little bit of an insight into Lucille's relationship with Michael when she says... Uh, You're my third least favorite child. Which is slightly confusing because I think she's got that the wrong way around because she just wants to say... like Because um, third least favorite means that he's the... The second, second favorite. Favorite? Yeah, so it, she by putting the third in there, she's confused things. <laughs> you know, and we all know that she does not care for Job. Uh, Michael says... I can live with that. Which I think is funny, because, you know, that kind of shows his relationship with his mother. He's like, <laughs> you don't like me? I'm not that bothered. Yeah, like, I like that he takes a second to do the sort of mental math that we're all doing at the same time of, like... Does that mean that he's second or third in line? Does it really matter? I don't even care. <laughs> and then the narrator tells us that Michael came home to find his mother's fourth least favorite child. That's like one of my favorite jokes in the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Job is just up on the, the balcony. And I love the way he just goes, hey, guy. And like this will kind of become his greeting. For like when he sees a lot of people, he'll just say guy or hey, guy. Or, you know, that, that will become it. And um, we find out that he's living on the yacht. And, you know, Michael is like, you're not staying on the yacht, are you? And he's like, uh, you know, what do you want me to do? Live full time with Marta? And this kind of continues the uh, the Marta storyline a little bit where, <laughs> where Michael's like, you know, break up with her. <laughs> and there's that weird shot of Michael just kind of looking at her walking outside her uh, show. And he just kind of cowered. That was weird. And like hides in the car with his name on it. Like it's like there is nothing more awkward than this. <laughs> well, I love this shot because, of course, the narrator says. Then was having difficulty keeping his love a secret. And obviously he can't because he's in the gigantic stair <laughs> car that has the word loop on the side. Uh, but also we see the name of Marta's show, which is El Amor Prohibido, which, of course, you might say describes Michael's feelings for Marta. So Arrested Development giving you more than one layer. We also get a little flash to Job <laughs> being on the um, God, so on the yacht. So and, um, well, they got the Asian right. Hobbies might be a stretch. Well, let's start with the little one. And as he loves them, he looks them both up and down <laughs> to say, "It's like okay, I guess." I haven't got anything Uh, better to do for the next 15 minutes. (laughs) Generously. (laughs) And then Michael kind of, Michael just tells him, you've got 48 hours to vacate the yacht. And that will start Job's storyline where he, he he still ends up crewing the yacht for some reason. Um, But this also, it's important because this wedge that kind of 
Michael drives between himself and Job here is the reason why Lucille is kind of able to manipulate Michael later in the episode because Job is kind of angry at Michael at this point. So it's quite clever that they, they separate those the two, the two brothers, you know, this early on in the episode. Um, and then Lindsay has a great idea. She wants to throw a party for mom. <laughs> <laughs> and on the DVD menus, they repeat little tiny clips over and over again. Um, on on the second disc of the first season, the final little thing, the final exchange that you get is, um, you know, maybe saying... But we don't have to go, do we? Come on, this is a Bluth family celebration. It's no place for children. <laughs> and so I, so I, that's that. So that line is always stuck in my head because I like the way that you know Michael is kind of acknowledging that you know if they're going to have a surprise party for Lucille, he doesn't want his son or maybe to be there because this is just not going to be a, a suitable thing for them. Um, and we get a little bit of um, <laughs> we get we get Lindsay kind of you know. Michael is pressuring Lindsay to go and visit their father. I just think it's important to honor your parents. Once you start by visiting dad in jail, you've never even been there. And um, and she's like, Do you have any idea what would happen if I were to visit prison? Hmm. And um, it would be pandemonium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be fair, that um, Lindsay... probably would actually be the case if there was any like yeah, like that is a I would say unreasonable expectation. Yeah, if Portia de Rossi did go to any prison, I could see it being pandemonium. But I love how she's like, you know, she's going on about how George Senior thinks the only thing she's got to offer it but her looks, and then Job. Yeah, I got some of that. Except he also didn't like my looks. <laughs> and, uh, and, and which means essentially Will Arnett is saying nothing because if all you've got to offer is the looks and he doesn't even care about your looks, then he doesn't think about you at all. Uh, you know, once again driving into the the ground, you know that George Senior doesn't like Job and Lucille doesn't like Job. <laughs> Basically, nobody likes Job. Well, everyone talks about how Lucille has been featured on Fox's World's Worst Drivers, uh, which comes complete with a little clip. Um, with some kind of like cartoony music. Lucille had recently been featured on Fox's World's Worst Driver. Job says a really weird line, and this is something that kind of bothers me, where he says that he... I dummied her up a new one. And... Do you want to look 48? I nearly airbrushed into oblivion. And then he says, I ended up checking Albino in the form. Which doesn't make any sense, because if he's making her a fake license, what <laughs> form is he filling in? Yeah, it's not going to a new form. Yeah. Or also, they check the license yeah. and they can see she's an albino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a funny line, but it's just a bit of a weird joke that doesn't really make full sense. Um, but yeah, so you know, Job. This this is also something that would have been called back in a, a bit that was cut out about Doctor Miller later on, where he um, he offers to to dummy up Mister Miller. A, uh, a doctor, a license so he can become a doctor again, uh, which seems very dangerous. Um, but you know, yeah, because these are people with scruples. <laughs> yeah, and so we get we get Lindsay going to the prison to visit her father for the first time, and that is accurate. This is the first time that Lindsay has been to the prison set, and everyone is super quiet. And I think it's funny that this is also a little plot point that kind of confuses me because earlier it's been established that Lucille is carrying some heavy bags. Which we find out towards the end of the episode are Krugerans. Gold Krugerans. Gold Krugerans are the only type of Krugerans. Now where I'm from. She's been, you know, lugging around gold bars. But she does that before Lindsay goes to visit. And yet it seems to be implied that 
George Sr. needs the Krugerrands to pay off everyone so that they won't yell at Lindsay. So it seems weird that she's taken the Krugerrands. I think they mention before that he was also paying off to not get beaten up and worse. And stabbed. Yeah. In a way. Like, they make the obvious joke. Um, I don't know, it's just weird, because it seems to me that they introduced the concept of um, Lucille carrying these heavy gold bars before they're actually needed for the actual plot purpose. Yeah, they cover it awkwardly in the thing. Yeah. But we get, as one of my favourite exchanges between Lindsay and George Sr., where Lindsay is like, you know... All you've ever praised me for is, is my looks. Oh, no, your looks. Yes, Dad. I mean, it's always been. Michael's got the brains, Job's got the charm, Buster's got the... And she waits for a second, and George Sr. goes... High fastening pants. Have you said that? No, I'm saying that now. I'm saying it now. Yeah, and it's like such a weird thing to... Like, is that is that a compliment? Like, that he's wearing high fastening pants? Like, and they both have this look on your face like, well, he does, it's not a lie... But... And again, that's one of the things that appears on the um, the DVD menu. So I'm used to hearing it quite a lot. But yeah, and then, you know, Lindsay does this thing where she's like, I want to be think- thought of as more as- than just a beautiful face. And-, and then she waits a second for someone around her to react. And none of the prisoners kind of even look in her direction. And then she says, and a gorgeous head of hair. And Portia de Rossi then lets down her hair, which is beautiful. You know, she has got yeah. a great head of hair. <laughs> then no heads are turned. And I love how Lindsay's immediately like, um, I'm going shopping, I'll be back tomorrow. And I, I like how she seems to think that these prisoners are only not reacting because she's not wearing the right like outfit. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird kind of Lindsay-type logic that, okay, I guess. Like, clearly I'm not appear- appealing to this correctly. And I think she, she like, visits... She only visits once more. No, she visits twice more. Because there's one oh, with a, a black lacy dress and mm. one with the slut top, um, which she wears without a bra. <laughs> yeah, can you tell? Because I think the one time when she visits wearing the black lacy top, that's also... There was an extended version of that where... She basically sits there yelling, I'm hot, and nobody responds. (laughs) And uh, that's when she's like, I'm going to go shopping again. In between this, we get a little bit of um, George Michael. They say he's finally moving beyond his crush on uh, maybe. (laughs) Obviously, that's not completely true. Then we get the trailer for uh, Lace Cousins. I I love that they they named his crush Maybe. Like, that's that's kind of great. (laughs) I mean, her name's only actually May. Yeah, maybe is just her nickname, but yeah, it, it's um... his crush's name is Maybe. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like... um, and then we get the the voiceover for a French film, which says it was love between two cousins that the world thought was wrong, but it was the world that was wrong. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and and George Michael is like, we've got to see this movie. Uh, and then they get thrown out. Well, maybe runs. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe runs and uh, and George Michael just sits there with the light shining in his face. <laughs> I guess that that trailer must have been playing like the week before Les Cousins comes out because later on in the we we see uh, you know Lucille and um, Buster go to see Les Cousins. So. Yeah, you gotta get the hype out there. Of course, in later seasons, maybe we'll have some interaction with the film Les Cousins but um, oh God. in a slightly different way. We're back with the main kind of plot here, which is the constant surprise parties, which are no surprise for Lucille, except when nobody turns up to the surprise parties. <laughs> um, and we also get a mention again of the rock, which 
Buster had brought back from his archaeological dig that was in that is in the back of the car. Um, and it's at this point that when we get to the restaurant... Are we going to the back? Is this what I think it is? Okay, so Lucille opens up the doors in the restaurant to this uh, little private room. Surprise! Only to find an empty table with two, uh, a waiter and a waitress setting up the table. And they drop some silverware. <laughs> and then later on, you know, we go back. Uh, as as um, as Michael explains to his mother, you know, Mom, you've already got two strikes on your record. You strike one more person, and it's technically a spree. <laughs> and they they go back, and Michael opens the door a second time. Michael once again arrived at the restaurant. Michael, did you do this again? Surprise! And once again, no one showed up. The idea of the escalation of it, yeah, yeah. to su throw her surprise party and then nobody turning up, which then becomes a surprise. It's funny because Michael, uh, for the second time, asked everyone, I mean, if you're not going to do it for mom, do it for me. To come there, and everyone's like, sure, we'll do it. Yeah. And then no one shows up. Both times they were both surprised. But I love Michael's kind of like, um, when he goes back to the, like, his, his brother and sister are like sitting on the couch, and he's like, where the was everybody you know mom's party and joe says this is the first i've heard about it <laughs> just like and... sorry what <laughs> yeah and... And i think it's funny because i think it's funny because if you watch the scene where Lindsay's talking about the party he's like reading a newspaper the entire time so he probably didn't hear about the surprise party because he wasn't really paying any attention to the conversation so that's kind of true. Lucille 2 and Buster trying to avoid each other. In fact, Buster was worried about running into Lucille 2, so he never left his mother's apartment. Lucille 2 was also supposed to go, but was waiting until she saw Buster emerge. It's sort of like a Scooby-Doo scene where they're not moving out, they're just kind of moving back into the door. <laughs> yeah, and they, keep, and they keep kind of like turning around. There's one point where both of them do actually see each other, but they both turn around and run back into the apartment. <laughs> and I don't know why Lucille 2 would do that, because if she's waiting to see Buster, as soon as she should see him, she should say something, but instead she just goes straight back into her apartment. You know, we see Michael and Lucille at the party, and, you know, he's like... I'm sorry you're upset, but, you know, if you were nice to your kids, maybe they'd take better care of you. And Lucille goes... I've been a horrible mother. And Jessica Walters, you know, to her credit, the, the character is kind of mostly cartoony, but in this moment, she delivers that line, like, re it's very real when she says it. Oh, see, that's not how I read it at all. I read it as I, it, I read it as pure emotional manipulation, like <laughs> maybe coming from a a place of wanting to genu generate some kind of like reaction to get your kid to like because you don't want to feel like you've been a horrible mother. But it's just like it's not because you think you've been a horrible mother. It's because you want to manipulate your kid into saying. That no, mom, you're great. You've been a great mother. Michael does kind of fall for it then because he says immediately, no, you've been a great mother. And Job, it immediately cuts back to Job and he goes, well, you know, she's been a horrible mother, right? <laughs> it's, it's just like, <laughs> it's just the way he kind of says it. And that's when, that's when he tries to get them to, you know, go to the party a second time. Buster is like, you know, I really like mom. Like he's going to go for her, which is weird because I don't know why he didn't, oh, he didn't show up because... Yeah. Too. So he was the only one who was trying to get there. Um, but he In his own didn't. special way. And this is where we get this weird kind of debate where um, Buster gets into like a grammatical thing that turns into a definition of the relationship where he's like... We're probably not that different, you and me. You and I. Is it I or is it me? And Buster, it's us. 
Yes, it is us. <laughs> us. He wasn't asking that question. He was just trying to figure out the grammar of saying you and me or you and I. But I, I just, I, I like that, um, <laughs> like how Liza Minnelli has all these lines where she's like, Oh, Buster, I feel so foolish. No. Yes, I'm foolish and I'm funny and I'm needy. Am I needy? No. Are you sure I'm not Because yeah, yeah. I feel needy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But I like yeah. the way that how she compliments herself by saying that she's funny in between saying she's foolish and needy. So she knows how to give herself a kind of a weird backwards compliment sandwich where she's, <laughs> she's trying to... And then, of course, we get the, um, you know, Lucille's hatred of Job um, <laughs> kind of causes the crash uh, where, you know, Michael lets her drive him home uh, after the second surprise party, they're driving like at night, like ten o'clock, nine o'clock at night. It's just completely dark. I love like the very subtle way in which they sort of communicate that that everyone pr- in this family probably drinks way too much. Like without like like in, in the scene with the groceries, they have like because they don't necessarily. It's not like Archer, where literally every scene someone has like like a drink in their hand. Uh, like and you can't help but of course draw the parallel between Archer and this because uh, it's the same actress playing basically the same character except if that character was a spy. Um, <laughs> but it's more so, so like in the scene with the groceries, it's like oh okay, well we're going to we're, we'll take the gin out and then the whiskey out. Like she's emptying several different ki- kinds of liquor from the the. Um, bags and then like the next scene it's like well she's got two strikes if she hits me like she's a bad driver she's one of the world's worst drivers um as as the show was titled indeed Um, i love how angry lucille gets where she's like hey big shot too busy to go to your mother's party i gotta say i don't know who like there's another guy in orange county riding around on a segway at night i feel like a dropped runner that should have been throughout the whole show just some mysterious person riding around in Segway. At that would be great. Oh my god! <laughs> just it's just one of these really weird things that like I, I I mean I know how she might think that was Job, but I also don't know like it's Who really weird person? that the show decides yeah. yeah that there's another. But I guess probably you know more of a commentary on the type of people that would live in Orange County are yeah. the kind of people who you know they all own Segways and it's not much of a a thing. And this is where we get the camera cutting out. And then, you know, the paramedic and, um, you know, Lucille is thrown clear. And obviously, as viewers, we know that she was driving, but now Michael is in front of the rock and he's he's moved now, so he's behind the wheel. So obviously, we know what's happened, but then for the rest of the episode, it becomes about Michael um, trying to figure it out after he's had a visit from Dr. Miller and he's got his head bandaged up. Your mother asked me to pump you full of... Children's aspirin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, when when, uh, Lucille says scoot up and um, uh, Michael remembers something, she pulls the pillow away (laughs) and he drops, (laughs) his head drops and bumps. And I love that he's like, you know, I'm not feeling anything at all. He's he's like, I'm really digging this... Crazy about this aspirin. Can we give this stuff to (laughs) kids? Give these to kids. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i I just like i like that the kind of the rest of the plot of this becomes uh lucille like attempting to stop michael from discovering the truth and i don't know what her long-term plan was because essentially the only thing she can do here is give her own son serious head trauma 
as a way of stopping him from remembering stuff. Which may actually just be Buster's entire backstory. Like... <laughs> yeah. Um, and we get, we get like a, a kind of, like a, a quick intersection as Buster sees his mother while he's with Lucille too. Buster, do you remember when we were kissing last night? It was a wild, wild ride. But is this something we can do? Is this something society will allow? And he jumps through a window. <laughs> Uh, which, of course, Dr. Miller's phone, like, immediately goes off. Oh, my God. I'm getting my gauze. And I love that Lucille, too, of course, has Dr. Miller's number. Of course they both use the same doctor. Of course. I love that when um, Michael and Buster see each other later on, they've both got their heads bandaged up. Michael recognises it as the work of Dr. Miller, um, which, which I just think is funny. Um, and we also get this bit where um, Lucille says... Uh, you know, you gave me quite the scare. And Michael's like, scare? And he seems to remember something. She just pulls the pillow. <gasps> what is the matter with me, clumsy Clara? I love the way she delivers that line because it's, it's just so funny. Yeah. Um, and then we, we get a little bit of George Michael and maybe looking for passports. And um, George Michael decides... Oh, no, they're looking for free IDs. And then... <laughs> Job's one is just, oh, you mean passports. <laughs> yeah, I love that that's where Job's mind goes. Oh, and uh, preferably French. Like the way they think. South America. Yeah, we also get a little bit of, obviously we know that Job was willing to cheat on Marta with uh, the the Asian hearties who popped by earlier. Um, but here we get a kind of bit of background business as <laughs> when he sees um, George Michael, he like throws a life preserver behind himself as he comes forwards and then you know this woman comes up out of, <laughs> out of the water yeah and, well he, uh, he whispers like, to her he's clearly just literally thrown her off the boat yeah. like because he yeah. says you've got to go Wait, go where she's, and she's, she's, she's in the water pretty game for it though it's weird she's walked I mean, by yeah. and goes, bye look, look at job look at the person who they had walked by the implication is that she was not there for for anything other than monetary comp compensation like that's that's the very subtle implication that the the show is making i mean I, i'm guessing something happened with the hot is earlier but uh, yeah, yeah this is like this is the person he's clearly cheating on marta with at the very least in this episode uh, we'll learn in later episodes that he's also cheating with the legs but yeah and and this is where george michael's you know cuz Job wants to, for some reason, stay in the model home. Um, he's essentially, like, for large portions of this first season, he's kind of homeless, drifting from place to place. And, um, you know, George Michael is like, well, you know, he's at Ganges, so you can go stay there anyway. And this is when... <laughs> this is when um, <laughs> Job decides that he's not going to go to South America. Turn this skiff around. We haven't even left the dock. But skiff is appropriate, right? Uh, and I just love, I love, um, you know, Job's attempts to be nautical um, in this particular case. I also love how Buster knows that he can blame stuff on Job. Rather than telling Lucille that he's jumped through a window, he's, <laughs> Lucille's like, you know, what happened to your head? And he's like, nothing. Job was just teaching me how to hit myself with a hammer. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> why would, why would they, like, I don't understand why that would be a thing, but... I love how Lucy. But everybody just takes accepts. it at face value and just goes, "Yeah, oh, okay, <laughs> moving on." 
Yeah, that seems like something Job would do. Like, it sounds like it um, could be, like, a setup for a magic trick, maybe? Maybe? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, maybe? Maybe a trick hammer. <laughs> and after that, we find out that George Sr. has been using his Krugerrands. Thousands of dollars of Krugerrands not have people yelling at his baby girl. Well, I mean, he says, my little girl. And he says it in a very kind of, like, emotional way. Um, and not wanting to spoil too much from season three, but I really don't understand this motivation at all. Because, you know, she's just some kid that Lucille adopted on a whim, basically. So I'm not quite sure why he's so concerned about people yelling at her. But I guess, you know, once you've had the kid for 40 years, you can't send her back. So uh, you may as well pay prisoners to not yell at your daughter. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, it's an I... odd shading to George Sr. because... Especially because when we find out about stuff like Mother Boy and the closeness of, you know, Buster and Lucille, there's an implication that he never went to daddy-daughter dances. And when we see flashbacks with young Lindsay, she's always haranguing him about cheating on Lucille. So it doesn't strike me that they've been particularly close. And she married Tobias to deliberately piss off George Sr. And they moved all the way to Boston to get away from George Sr. So... It's just, it's odd that in this one episode, Lindsay and um, George Senior are painted as having this really close bond as father and daughter. It's all I've ever wanted from you, Daddy. For you to spend money on me. No touching! Uh, a little bit of the no touching. Uh, they, ke- they keep him around to yell that at uh, various times throughout the season. It's got a bit of weird IMDB credit. Oh yeah, I was the no-touching guy in Arrested Development. And we get, you know, um, the conclusion of the Job runner and the main plot when Job figures out... Job, the accident only happened because I was trying to scare you. Maybe even hurt you. That doesn't sound like you. Sounds like Mom. I like that he accepts that his own mother would, in the middle of the night, try and run him down on the road <laughs> if she got the chance. Very much in the same way that Michael's, like, second, third least favorite. Yeah, okay. Can... <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know... <laughs> it's one of the weird things about, like, the cartoony, like, abusive, like, dysfunctional family. Like, it is also, in some ways, very much, like real dysfunctional families because that's how you have to react to people who are that crazy. Is you just kind of go, okay, you're nuts, so I'm going to get on with my life. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, Job goes... Job and Lindsay both then turn up at Balboa Towers. Um, Lindsay boasting that her father has been spending tons of gold Krugerrands on her, which makes her happy. And of course, she's at this particular time, she's still dressed in the red top that says slut on it. And... <laughs> And Job says, No way that you were trying to hurt me. You don't hate me. Mom hates me. Uh-huh. You kind of like me. <laughs> I love when... Yeah, I kind of like you. Yeah. I think Jason Bateman's delivery of that line is kind of perfect. And th- uh, while this is going on, Lucille has been trapped out on the balcony by Job. And she's kind of trying to get back in. And, you know, you know, hammering away at the door. Then she kind of busts in after, you know, Michael had thought that she was frail. Uh, you know, finding out that the protein bars were actually Kruger ends. <laughs> and we get another of Job's catchphrases here when Michael is like, You were going to South America? And Job's like, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. <laughs> <laughs> and this is something that he, he also said in the pilot where he says something and he's immediately like, 
I don't think so. And then, of course, we get to the point where, you know, Lucille is like, I just want my children to love me. Stop lying. Stop manipulating. Just be nicer. She's like, I'm a horrible mother. And now, here's the thing. I think the first time it's sincere, I think this time is when she's manipulating her kids. I think both times then, it's manipulating. I, and then this time they all kind of like hug her and they're like... No, no, Ma, you're That's crazy, Todd. You're I a fantastic mother. mother. Oh, we do. We really love she you. Really... I mean, clearly the second time is obviously manipulation because she knows it worked so well the first time. And all the kids are just looking yeah. at each other like, oh, God, what do we do? <laughs> like, do, do we let her say that do, do we, we we have to say something shit we have to say, oh man <laughs> man yeah yeah so you know and then we get the on the next uh you know first of all <laughs> we have um the usher once again it's funny because george michael and maybe are, are trying to see les cousins and um the usher is actually pointing at lucille too and buster and he says you know what i knew that society would not let, accept this and they never will. And I love Tony Hale's delivery in those last four lines. Because it's just like, you know, he's so vehement that this is wrong and society will never accept it. Um, so, yeah. And then and then we get Michael um, accidentally <laughs> backing into Job. And he says, I was definitely driving that time. Um, <laughs> and there, there was one final scene cut from this where Job was after this, was having his head bandaged by Dr. Miller, who corrects him and says, Mr. Miller. And Job offers him to, you know, offers to sort out his license. Um, and so that's the episode. Uh, is there anything else you think to say about this episode, or do you think we've covered it? Well, I think it's probably my, one of my favorite episodes of Rest of the Development. It's horribly underrated, I think. Yeah, I like this episode. I I love Jessica Alder. Like, I want to see as much of her as possible, like, whenever I have the opportunity to see her in comedic roles. So it just, like, like she just makes me happy because she's got such, like, spot-on, like, timing for everything and is just dry as a bone. And that's the kind of thing that just will make me laugh ceaselessly. So. <laughs> this is a good episode for her because, like obviously you know it's called My Mother the Car which you know talks about that's obviously an allusion to the sitcom but also the two things that are quite important in this episode you know My Mother and the Car um, and I think it is like a really good showcase for Jessica Walters um, I'm trying to think of what the other episodes are up until this point in the season I, I think she's had like a few kind of moments but this is kind of like the biggest um showcase like kind of yeah kind of biggest plot that she gets yeah and like everybody's moving around her in this episode like even lucille yeah. too and buster are like moving around her and that's kind of really fun it's just weird that tobias is completely yeah. gone from this episode yeah i don't think they even mentioned him yes yeah. no he's completely cut from it so okay is there anything that you guys want to plug and i'm gonna ask uh corin first um, I'm on Twitter at, at SweatTRC. I'm also working to get off the ground uh, a podcast where I watch good movies uh, that normal people who like movies have seen, and I have not because I've seen like six movies um, called The Accidental Cinephile. Um, and that you can find on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud, and it's at AccidentalPod. And Andrew, what are you going to plug? Uh, you, can f- you can find me at Entourage Slop on Twitter. Uh, you can find my podcast, uh, Talking About Turtle, Your One Stop Shop, Front Schlop, 
uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, your podcast apps or whatever. Uh, it's a podcast where uh, it's not about entourage, it's about two hapless <laughs> young men get into the game of podcasting and things go awry. So thank you to both of you for joining me today. No problem. On the next episode of I've Made a Huge Mistake, uh, my guests will be Jordan Sam and Sammy C., and we'll be talking about In God We Trust, where we all find out the true meaning of uh, being a never-nude. Otherwise, goodbye. Bye. Bye.